Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry. What's up, guys? This is Michael Nove from Bardo and Vanna, and you are listening to Eating Habits. Awesome. Good job, chef. Thanks, man. Four times a charm. Yep. <laughs> so how are things? Things are good. Yeah? Yeah. A lot has changed since we last spoke. Um, I think I saw you last, it's been over a year, I think. Yeah. It's been about probably about a year or so. I think it was mid-summer last year. So. How are things going? How things are you are guys good. doing? So it is September. The pandemic's yeah. over. Restaurants are open. You've got two spots. You had two spots last time. Vana's been over a year. Vana's uh, two years. Two years. Yeah. Cool. All we right. just hit our we hit our two year mark. Yeah, and then uh, Lake Norman. Cool. Come Where are up. you at with uh, Lake Norman? It's under construction. Okay. Yeah. What's your timeline for that? They just they broke ground about a week and a half ago. So we're hoping December. Okay. So and if it, everything goes well. Nice. Yeah. Which rarely ever does. Sure. So maybe Q1 of next year, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We're hoping December. And we, and we really needed to be open by December. Is that going to be Ivana as well? Yeah. Um, trying to keep the same formula. Uh-huh. It's, Talk about the formula. Ivana um, is... So I, I think when you when you open sort of a duplicate of any restaurant, it has, you have to have a formula. Mm-hmm. You can't just be Ivana with a completely different concept and menu. It, we're sticking to the super local produce you know the whole fish whole meat meat cooler all wood fire no gas so mm-hmm. it's 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 going to be vana um and, and matt moore has you know designed a menu at vana that just gets better and better every time he writes in he writes a new menu every couple of weeks so his fo- his formula is going to get instilled up there just the, nice. the style of cooking the plating it's just it's going to be very Similar, but a new chef de cuisine will be up there. Nice. So it will be his. Let's talk about that a little bit. So because Church and Union, we have three of them here, Charleston and Nashville. Mm-hmm. It's all the same concept, but they're all, the menus are completely different. Mm-hmm. I think there's one item. I think the burger is is synonymous amongst. Throughout the. Throughout the, the thing, right? Yeah. And everything else is different. And. That has been probably one of the biggest challenges for me as chef partner is like, how do I keep these, the quality up in all these stores, um, these restaurants, how do I keep them inspired if the food's not necessarily mine? Yeah. And, um, and also keep them on the rails so that when you walk in, you know where you're at. Yeah. Right. Now, part of that's the design. Um, we have a pretty specific design situation you know art of war on the ceiling the black and black and white kind of color scheme it's the huge custom paintings that we get done yeah um the five dollar bill is in every store but they're all different the book menu or the book check holder i like that yep so all that stuff like okay so those those are all kind of like the you know the design elements that kind of the consistency of that you know the restaurants right but each menu is totally different yeah um and they're they're site specific right so there's a lot more seafood um and low country influences in the charleston location than in charlotte yeah and that's by design right charlotte is 
a banking town. Mm-hmm. Bankers are a little more conservative than maybe people in Nashville, yeah. where it's a, a music music city party town. So it's a little more stake, conservative stake appropriate, right? What do you think about that? Have you thought about that? And what's your plan for that at having the two Vanas, one uptown or south end, and then at the lake? Um, so the, with Vanas menu, Vanas, it's, it's a very approachable menu. I, and I think it would do well sort of whatever location we pinpointed it in. But you're right. I, the biggest challenge is when a new chef comes on, and it's your restaurant and you sort of want to keep the same formula of the old rest or whatever restaurants you have before with, you know, the same name to have, let him have that opportunity to create his own food with keeping what is true to Vana and what's keeping is true to me. So, mm-hmm. and I, I think we achieved that at Vana South End. Mm-hmm. He slowly took over the menu knowing how I wanted the menu to look, how I want it to be plated. Um, so I, I think you can put chefs in different locations, let them be creative 100%, you know, their own creative freedom. But when I, when I, when I say that formula, you can just, you look at a plate and you're like, okay, we know that's a five church plate. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Totally. It can be a different chef's dish at this church, this, this, restaurant this restaurant this restaurant but i think at the end of the day they know that it's your name and Mm -hmm. then they can sort of cater to that yep um what is so what is the inspiration for you right now in the food like what is it that you want that the food what what story do you want the food to tell um advana and we're going to, I mean, you're going to answer this question for Bardot too, because I'm curious as to like, what I really want to talk about is like, what, what is your cooking voice and what was it? What is it now? Like, I think that is something that I think is interesting to people that listen is like, yeah. how do chefs think about food? Yeah. Um, and that, and I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Again, Bardot and Vaughn are, I have completely different outlooks on both restaurants, what I expect from one or the other. Vana to me is simplicity, big flavors. I mean, there's there's a lot you can achieve with wood fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and opening that restaurant, that was all new to me. That was something that I've never done before. So with, I mean, again, with Vana, we're trying to keep it as simple as possible, local, lots of vegetables. And, you know, my chef's veering more towards a lot of vegetable dishes on the menu, which I would have never done personally, mm-hmm. um, but that's good to have people like that, that you, they come on and, and they can enlighten you on things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a vegetable guy. I'm that's slowly, what, yeah. be, I enjoy, if it's done right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So achieving, you know, at the, the end goal at Vana, it's clean, consistent, local cuisine. I mean, that's... What is so important about local um, ingredients to you? Um, like why, why do you use, why do you use fresh list or local farms for your product? Like, what is it? Is it because it's a guest expectation? No, no. Or is it because like, I'm just curious, like why that's important to you? Yeah, it, Cause it, I think everybody has, everybody kind of has their nuanced approach as to why. 
Yeah. My, I don't write local on my menus, period. Because yeah, it, I, the expectation is, like, to me, that's how we shop, right? Anything 100%. we can get, Anything we can get local, we get it because it's better. Yeah. And I have a laundry list of reasons why it's better. But I'm curious as to you why why that's important. Yeah, I don't I don't advertise on the menu where it's coming from. It's yeah. it's quality, it's us knowing the quality that we're getting. It's us supporting our friends, you know, at Freshless and other farms and I never used to be like that before. When I, you know, when I opened Bordeaux, it's where can I get the best ingredient? I don't care if it's coming from Hawaii, California. But the more you get to know people in the city mm-hmm. and their operating businesses and they're trying to produce great stuff to you, it's like, why not support it? Mm-hmm. It just makes more sense to me. Yeah. And of course, I mean, local ingredients it just I, it taste better. Yeah. A little they do, love, they do there's better. love put into them. And I, don't, I, th- I think a lot of people don't realize like grocery store cuisine, right? Food that comes from the grocery store has been in transit for weeks, yeah. sometimes months. Sometimes it's been sitting in a warehouse. The potatoes that you're grabbing off the shelf at a, a Publix or a Harris Teeter or whatever, the grocery store, has been probably out of the ground for a couple of months before, yeah. they're, before they're displayed for you to, to get. And, and the food that you get from local farms or from the farmer's market or whatever has literally been harvested days before. Yeah, The nutrients are still like there. Right, they haven't had a chance yeah. to diminish or, or you know, leach out or the textures, the flavors are still vibrant. The and, flavors are amplified. Mm-hmm. That's that's the biggest thing that the flavor that you're getting from local farmers opposed to going to the grocery store is just. So, your food, especially at Bardot, is thoughtful, right? It's like it seems that it's very specific. Like you're you're definitely. Each dish has been kind of thought through and everything has a reason for being there. Do you find that with local produce or local meats even, it varies, right? Like the carrots don't taste the same every time or every farm, right? If you get you get carrots from Barbie Farm one week and then you get them from Newtown Farm the next week, yeah. they're different. The sugar level's different. Maybe they're you know, these ones, you know... Do you like that in your food or are you looking for consistency consistency and specifics? No. Because this is something I've been thinking about. Yeah. I mean, food and consistency is just, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. But when, when this happens with produce, I mean, that's our job as chefs is to, if that carrot doesn't taste the same as it did two weeks ago, how do we adjust that? Mm -hmm. How do we adjust the acid, the the sweetness? So, I mean, that's, that's our job. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't rely on consistency because I don't. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Are um, you Are you good with so Are you good with that inconsistency in the final dish, or do you try to manipulate the ingredient? You got to manipulate it. You try to yeah. You try to get it to where you want it to be, rather than just kind of letting that variation be part of the the experience. Yeah. No. You we you got to manipulate it. You got to get it to where it needs to be, whether how you season it, how you cook it, whether it's raw or not raw, you know, and and adjust from there. But yeah, the inconsistent, there's always going to be inconsistencies in, in local. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can, that's one thing that I really appreciate about 
local food and the local food movement is like I like I like the fact that the dish is never the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's completely opposite of the way I used to be. Like when I was a young chef, like when we first opened, you know, I was very like every dish has to be precise and like yeah. it was very rigid, right? Like the the rules were rigid as to like what the dish should be when it's done. And that created for me a lot of turmoil about getting to that finished dish because of that, you know, where the products coming from, Yeah, you know? And so I was constantly felt like at battle with the ingredients, trying to get my dish the way I wanted it to be. And slowly over time, my approach changed. And I was like, you know, I think my farm had part, part to do of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I like, that was partly why I started the farm was I wanted to learn more about the process and all that. But I started to appreciate the ingredient more than the dish and let that be the story. And I think that to me internally kind of helped calm some of that like obsessive chef yeah. vision, right? Where I was like, every dish has got to be. Um, so I was curious how what, like how your approach was. Yeah, going. no, I, I agree with that. I think as, as a chef, the older you get, the longer you've been in the business, you got to calm a lot of things down. Mm -hmm. And trying to achieve that perfection night after night after night after night is, is very tough it's, when you're young you want everything to be super yeah intense and on point and like you said you just got to you got to roll with the punches and yeah like we're getting in good produce let's just make what we have work and make it delicious because we're not going to have the same thing consistency wise when you're approaching your menus um, so Vana is pretty straightforward, simplicity, a lot of big cuts, big cuts right? like yeah. whole, whole fish, big, big cuts of meat roasted over fire. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's kind of the ethos there. And then same with the, the sides and veggies are usually, yeah, every, almost everything's all cooked desserts, with fire. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's got a, an element of smoke or fire or ash or something like that. Yeah. Everything, everything is prepped, cooked, finished on, on live fire. Yeah. And then Bardot, are you doing tasting menu? It's yeah, it's five and ten. Okay, so you're doing so you're tasting menu only now. Five and ten courses, totally different concept. That was your original concept. Yeah, that was the style of cooking that you came to Charlotte from. Yeah, right. Like that's the kind of cooking you were that's, doing for a while. That's what I was. Yeah, and that's what I did in Chicago for. Is months. that is that where your heart is? Yeah. Okay, so the tasting menu is that's where your inspiration passion is. Yes. Um, and again, that's just what I was raised on. Yeah. So it's, it's in, ingrained in me and mm -hmm. it's the, um, the level of the level of a, a dinner of that caliber and you know, that price point, it's just a different vibe. Mm -hmm. It's a different vibe from ordering to prepping, to finishing, to cleaning up the kitchen at the end of the night. There's just, there's different expectations. Not that we don't have those at Vana. Mm -hmm. is just very much more laid back and don't get me wrong my chef matt he, he, chef matt's an intense chef mm -hmm. and everything has to be on point and if and ingredients have to be on point and the, the guys have to know what they're doing um but when it comes to a, a tasting menu and you got 10 dishes and each dish is three bites they have to pack a punch and it's just it's mm -hmm. a little tedious a little, way more tedious to, i think to try to execute that it's definitely more tedious yeah like, there's no fucking question dude yeah like also you're doing you know 60 percent more dishes 
right? Yeah. Each guest is getting, I mean, a two top is getting 20 dishes rather than four. Yeah. Plus a couple right? extras that you know, yeah, aren't yeah. on the menu. Yeah. Some like amuses and like yeah. intermezzos and things. Dude, that's, it's intense. So that's fun for you. You like it? When I'm in the kitchen, <laughs> I, I like that stress. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I do. What is, what is most stressful about that format? for you I don't know if it's that stressful I just make it stressful yeah why what is it like why do you stress yourself out about it because is I, it because you want it to be perfect I think is you it? and I are a lot alike and it, and it yeah. comes down to sort of being a you know a lot of people can say that they try to strive on perfection but I mean yeah I think it's you want it to be perfect nothing's perfect but you try your best and you stretch yourself out to a point where you think you're almost there and I just I, I like that feeling like that's the intensity of of yeah. the restaurant is is when I'm in the I'm I'm not in the kitchen as much as I used to be but when right. I'm there you know I love going to Bordeaux on a Saturday night when we're getting slammed and jumping in it and touching plates and when you jump in it does the thing fucking just go crazy chaos and get fucking get nuts do you know that feeling do yeah. you have, have you ever it walked happens in, almost every time have you ever walked in your restaurant and you're like I'm gonna go check on the guys yeah middle then you're like maybe I should just leave yeah so, yes often actually. because they have their sh they have their shit going and yeah. you don't want to disturb them and so i'm glad you brought that up because i because i i that happens a lot actually and i remember it used to happen at cafe balloon when i was uh when i was a cook there i think i was work i was saucier so i was working the meat station and andrew carmelini when were you there i was there in 99 through 2002 wow um so anyways I was working, I was saucier there, and Andrew Carmelini was the uh, chef, chef de cuisine, or, and you know he just won like the James Beard Award for mm -hmm. like, best chef and all that stuff. And Danielle would come in the kitchen from time to time and run the pass. He'd just like roll in at like 5.30 and just like start calling out tickets like in French and shit. We're all just like, what <laughs> the fuck? And in the in the fucking service would go nuts, man. Like it would like turn like, to shit, right? Turn to shit. But I don't know that it turned to shit in the dining room, but in the kitchen it was fucking chaos. Yeah. Right? Like shit was just getting fucked up left and right. And like we were a well oiled machine. I mean, we would like we would just like everything was perfect all yep. the time. And it would just go nuts. And so I was like, man, I was like, what a fucking piece of shit. Like, I hate that, right? Like, I hate that that happens. Yeah. Like, I wish he wouldn't come in here and, like, ruin our day, right? Yeah. I, like, I'm not going to let that happen. He wants to come in and let people know he's boss. And, right. And that he's still invested in you guys. But meanwhile, yeah. he's he's throwing but, you under the fucking bus a little bit. Right. Well, <laughs> but he but he's also working to pass at Danielle, which is a different restaurant. Yeah. Much bigger, like, different menu and all that kind of stuff. So I, so I always remembered that, like, in the back of my head, like, remembering back that like that always pissed me off right they like a shovel come in and, like fucking total the service i was like i'm never gonna do that well so that totally happens for me now mm -hmm. and so i've been thinking about that a lot like reflecting back and i'm like wow what a jerk off i was yeah. right because now it happens to me all the time and i'm like why is that like do i suck now or something and i think what it is is that our vision for the service is different than the chef de cuisine or sous chef that's working the pass. 100%. And they have a different cadence. They have a different rapport with the team and they have different expectations. Yeah. And so when we come in and, you know, our expectations and how we run a service, it's like changing head coaches 
in the middle of a game. As, yeah, 100%. Right? <laughs> so that's how I kind of have to look at it. Like, yeah, and I agree with you. Like, you start calling plays differently, and then your team's like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, they practice that. They're you know? there all the time. They set up their systems on how they expedite the, the flow of everything. And right. Where they where they keep the flakes yeah, all, yeah, right? Yeah, like, and you show up, and, and, <laughs> and, you know, my chefs, when I show up, I get on the pass, and they, you know, I don't know if – they mean to do it, but they sort of step aside. They're like, okay. Yeah. This chefs, is your, your spot. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I don't let them, do I don't mean, to, I don't mean to do it, but yeah. it just, it happens. Yeah. And then I'm starting. Like, I purposefully don't do that. I, that's what I, I started start, doing. I started being like, okay, it's your shift. Yeah. I'm just here to observe and like hang out and like, you know, I'll give pointers or like whatever, or talk to the team and, and or help out and jump on a station, like exactly. play some stuff. But I'm not going to come in and start expoing and take over the shift. Yeah. That's not happening. And I've I recently noticed that yeah. I, I was doing that because I would just be like, if I was the chef de cuisine, I would be pissed too. Yeah. Like I got my shit going on. It's Saturday. Yeah, and like, I got my flow going. Not that they're mad that, the, that they're like, if you want to watch, go like stand next to me. Just let me, let me finish yeah. expoing because... If you want to sprinkle some flake salt on it, yes, go for it. Help Jeff. me garnish, yeah, so, yeah, help me garnish some plates, but like you just messed <laughs> yeah. up three tickets. Yeah. In, but uh, stop calling, stop, stop calling the flow. Yeah, and I've gotten very paranoid about that. I'll look yeah. around and I'll be like, yeah, man, I'm just gonna, I'll go check on Garmage, like, yeah. say hi to the guys, yeah. you know, do a lot of dining room walking, <laughs> yeah, make sure that's good. But do you, my, li- yeah, do you like sh- doing that? How, what what is what is going on in the dining room when you're when you're cruising the dining room? Are you doing table touches and talking with guests? Um, if I yeah if yes if I see if somebody's really into it, yeah I'll I'll go talk to them. Yeah, I'm not never really been a big table talker, but you got to sort of evolve into that. Yeah. So if I see that they're really into it, I'll talk to them and feel them out. But I'm I mostly scan the dining room, do a couple passes, see where every table's at, see what's not being cleared and what is being cleared, report yeah. it back to my GM, like, we need to do this. Like, mm-hmm. we need to – and when it comes to Bardo, one thing needs to be seven things. Mm-hmm. So if you walk past the table, you realize they need to be reset, glasses removed, their next pairing's coming out. There's a lot that goes into it. And I think one quality that I have is – I can look at a dining room and know where every table's at, even yeah. if I'm not working them. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. So I can, <laughs> I can go to the bathroom. I could walk down to the bathroom and be like, there's 20 things that I could report back and be like, you guys, we got to clear. We got to da 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 And, yeah. you know, a lot of, uh, fortunately, I think a lot of servers just are still very one track minded. Yeah. And this know, is my table. Yeah. You know, and when it comes to Bordeaux, you got to be quick and, mm-hmm. One thing leads because, to ten because you have those multiple courses. It's multiple one after courses, another. Pairings, yeah. you know, in in resetting, marking, all that stuff is like steps. It's it's a lot of steps, and it has to be clean. Yeah. You want to do it smoothly and clean, and you know we don't we clear one table at a time. Mm-hmm. We don't have trays. We don't stack plates. Mm-hmm. We clear two glasses, three glasses at a time, and it's just. And I try to stay away from that because if I start getting involved in the front of the house, yeah. I just make their life hell because I'm like this, 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 and but there was one time uh, we had a, uh, a couple of people out sick, and me and Jason had to work Bardo front house for like a week. <laughs> it was fun, but I mean, it was it was yeah. smooth. <laughs> I was do 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 do. Yeah, like, bouncing around. Yeah, I'm like damn, Chef Mike, getting down in the front Whoa, house. Look at him clear tables. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. You got to do what you got to do, but um, yeah, you got your eyes have to be open in Bardo. Yeah, so. 
you got to be four steps ahead. Mm-hmm. So what about are you are you writing the menus at Bordeaux? More so than Vana, yes. Okay. Um, just because a lot more goes into it, mm-hmm. and my chef de cuisine doesn't have a sous chef at mm-hmm. Bordeaux right now, so. We'll, so right now we're doing sort of concept menus. Mm-hmm. You know, we went from a la carte to tasting, and our tasting menus were just, there was really no rhyme or reason. It was a 7 or 12 course tasting menu, 7, yeah. 10, 12 course. But we wanted to make them more themed. Mm-hmm. So the menu had a purpose, right? Like yeah. we did an Asian street food menu. Our new one is nostalgia, just things that we ate as a kid that we make taste like what they don't look like, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Then we're moving into... Um, we're going to do a fall menu. I just want to keep it super, super simple fall. But he, he writes a lot of the menu and we'll sit down and I'll help fill in the puzzle pieces mm-hmm. and then we'll collab and, and get them to where they're going and sort of finish it out from there. Do you, do you like that collaboration? Yeah, it is helps. That, that- it, it's yeah. And it's nice to know that you have a chef to cuisine that can write a menu. Mm-hmm. We need that. I yeah. mean, with, with the, you know, with what's going on, you need someone that's able to write a menu. Yeah. And come to me and say, hey, chef, I need help with this course, this course. I, you know, I got a blank on seven and eight. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? And, you know, let's fix this and this. And again, Vana's, the menu's not as complex. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. But um, yeah, it's just a little more attention to detail at Bardo. What is, what, what dish? sticks out in your mind as being like one that you're most proud of that you, that you think is like the coolest representation of your cooking voice of like what you want people to take a bite and say, fuck man, this guy, like what, what, what is that dish? And then, and then what is it about that dish that, that you, that you think you nailed? There's, there's a, there's a couple at Bardo and I think the, the one dish that stands out was our our beef dish our strip with um the kimchi porridge Uh and the the reason why that dish stands out so much it was just so simple but everything was executed perfect it was literally a four ounce block perfectly sous vide perfectly seared basted Uh it was a it was a kobe was it a strip it was was yeah it was a strip at the Yeah. yeah And then Carolina Gold Rice. Mm-hmm. You cooked it like a risotto. Perfectly cooked, yes. Yeah. Then uh, kimchi, kimchi paste, homemade kimchi paste that we folded into that. Then oh, it had like this wakame, you know, the the water, flour, oil, mm-hmm. tweel, bubbles up mm-hmm. and crisp. It, it, it was simple. And it, mm-hmm. to me, I that was one of the first dishes that went on the menu. And the funny thing about that is we put that on the menu. And that was probably a, I was running at like 53 food cost. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't care about, well, I didn't care about food costs yeah. when Bardo first opened. I was yeah. like, I want to make good food and try to get people yep. to understand what we're doing. And, um, but that ended up being one of our best dishes. But to me, that Is was it still on the menu. No, no. How was that day? Taking it off. Yeah. yeah. Are you all right with Just that? got bored with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got bored with it. I, I think another banger highlight was the fermented maitake, tempura maitake mushroom mm-hmm. that we did at Bardo. And I don't know how to describe what, how the dishes define me, mm-hmm. but on an execution level, any dish that is executed 
on, e- on every element of, of the plates executed properly, to me, it's, it's a winner and sort mm-hmm. of, I want that to define me, that I know how to execute these things mm-hmm. perfectly. Do you have, how often do you guys change the menu there, the tasting? Um, I feel like that would be like super challenging. To we're doing, we're, we're trying to do it every month and a half. Okay. And is that, is that just so that, and how much of the menu do you change? The whole menu. You change the whole menu every like month, month and, a half, and a half, two months. Yes. And the reason, fuck dude. That's, the re- well, that's the reason lot. for that is, is Bardo's a, a bigger restaurant for mm-hmm. a tasty menu size restaurant. Mm-hmm. How many seats? It's a 40, 42. Yeah. With bar. Yep. So, and the good thing about tasting opposed to a la carte is we can cut our guest count down because the tasting menu, the price point's a little higher. So we, mm-hmm. we're we not worried about doing numbers. We're worried about quality, right? So yep. the reason behind us wanting to change the menu is so we can start getting more people in, mm-hmm. especially repeat customers. They want to yeah. come in more than once every six months, which you know, the old tasting menu would, would get drawn out for pretty long mm-hmm. just because we would be anal and not change the menu, but fix addition has been on there for three months trying to refine it and blah, blah, blah. Right. So always trying to refine something. So this gives us the ability to swap the menu out, give the guests the opportunity to come in and try the new menu. And then a month and a half later, come in and try another menu mm-hmm. and it limits. We're able to do less people that way. Yeah. How many, what is your target? Like how many covers are you guys trying to do? Like what's, what's a good, what's a happy place for you where you guys feel like you're, you're, you're busy enough to like make money. Yeah. Cause that's always, you know, that's why we're here. Like yeah. it has to be profitable or else it goes away. Um, but isn't, you know, obviously you don't want to be too busy cause then service suffers and it's not perfect. Yeah. So where, where's like your happy place? Do you think? Um, weekdays at Bardo. 20, 25 is a really magical number. That's okay. that's a good number. Weekend 50s mm-hmm. max. If we hit more, great. Yeah. But that's I think that's where we streamlined control mm-hmm. at that point. Because so, when you're doing 50 plus tasting menu, and and we're different from any other tasting menu, we don't have set times. Right. We don't have a five five o'clock seating. We don't have a, a seven thirty seating. We don't have a nine thirty seating. You come in when you want, and yeah. we're we're reading these tickets off the pass like it's an a la carte. How is that? It was it was fucking chaotic as shit at first. It was <laughs> it was a lot, you know. When you're like, oh, we got this, and there's 15 tickets on the pass, five course, ten course, but you just have to figure that shit out, and you got to figure a system yeah. really fast. <laughs> and what we do now, it's it's pretty cool, and and it, it's very magic when it flows. Is you start grouping tickets together. Yep. So you got a couple minute gap and, and you know how to pace it properly. You can, you can group three tickets together and treat that like a table. So you're putting out eight of this, eight of this, eight of this, instead of two of this off the two, two of this off table 15, four of this off table 16, mm-hmm. you know that. So you got to, when you're, when you're working expo in that scenario, are you able to garnish plate, do all that stuff? Or are you just, are you just trying to keep the board straight and make sure that the right dishes are coming? No, at, at Bardo, if you're at the pass, you're plating. Yeah. You're, you're, so you're, so you're not only are you organizing these tickets, which can be wildly confusing when you, when you get, when you get full, right. When you have 50 diners down and you're at, you know, you're at four different places in dinners you know you got three tables on first course 
you know, two or three tables are on fourth or fifth course. And then you've got another table, like working towards the end of a meal. Yeah. You're all over the place and you're trying to plate. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's tough, man. All the food comes to the pass on, on trays, all this, yeah. on a super, super busy night, you got your cooks. Ideally you have a chef back facing the dining room who's expo. Then you have chef de cuisine Sue at the pass. And those two are plating and they're finishing the dishes, plating and, like, and finishing, yeah. garnishing, cleaning do the cooks do any plating do they no they pass all the food uh, garmage garmage has a couple of their dishes they do yeah. complete and then yeah hotline just... hotline puts it everything's on trays pass to the front okay um post covid you know with business we there's two people at the pass mm -hmm. so yeah if it's if it's kenny and whoever's at the pass with him he's expo he's plating he's garnishing he's cleaning if i'm there with kenny I'm doing the same thing. So you got a lot of shit going on mm -hmm. on top of trying to read tickets. You know, we, we tried to go through an earpiece set situation. Like yeah. we sort of do it, did it moto because the servers have to come as a chef, as a chef, you want to be able to scan the dining room. We can't really turn around. And when it's full, you can't see down the restaurant. So on top of not relying on them, knowing where their tables are, we tried to know where the tables are because sometimes they forget. So their job is to come back in 15s cleared 20. Right. So, they're our source of next plate. Mm -hmm. But I think that we've got to such a good level that in our head we have it timed out. Mm -hmm. Good. We know the menu's timed out. We know yeah. that this dish is gone. We can go ahead and plate this dish because it can sit for a couple minutes. Right. Yeah, it's not a hot. you gotta be, a, you got to be ahead. Yeah. you got to be. I, I think I really love that aspect of tasting menu format, right, is that the control factor of it. Yeah. And a good chef... A chef who's engaged and like fucking into it will have that internal clock. Like you have your, your clock ticking, you know where everything's at, yeah. you're, you're, you're organized. And, and depending on how good your leadership skills are, which most of those restaurants have excellent leadership, then everything's just kind of like fluid, right? Like a metronome ticking away. Next course, next course. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I've always wanted to do something like that. Now I don't. I'm like, ugh, I can't imagine like trying to keep my brain straight. Yeah, for for, yeah. for 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 six hours, right? Yeah. And like, um, but that control and that level of yeah executing that is is what I, also, I what I enjoy in yeah. the kitchen. And I and I love the idea. And I was talking with Brian Baxter about this from Catbird Seat. So the episode that we released um, yesterday was with Brian Baxter. Chef at Capri. Yeah, he's a he's a beast, dude. dude fucking awesome. The restaurant's so, so gorgeous. And have you eaten there? Yeah. So I ate there after the interview. How was it? Dude, it was fucking blow your mind. Yeah, yeah. To totally fucking like mind fucked me out of my my face. Mm. Like, and I told yeah. him, like, I'm still kind of laughing about it sometimes because there's some shit on his menu that I was like, you know, well, you don't know you don't know what the menu is when you like it's all tasting right. You mm. don't. There's no menu in front of you until you leave. So you don't know what's going to happen. So that surprise element. But there were some dishes that, because I had interviewed him the night before, the day before for the podcast. And we were talking about some of his inspiration and food pairings and things like that. So I was like already like, all right, you got some fucking wild shit up in yeah. your noodle, man. Like, what's up with that? And um, so he invited me in to, to check it out, which was great, because then I could go back and I did a little intro to his thing. But um but man, the food was fucking incredible. Like there were some some dishes where I was just like, I'm still like scratching my head about them, yeah. right? Like I'm like, what? How did that even work? You know, like yeah. the, like in my mind, those those flavors don't even like belong together. 
but they totally work, right? And so that was the mastery of a lot of his stuff. Um, and then he also had a couple dishes that that I would say would fall into your nostalgic category, where mm-hmm. like um, one of the dishes we had was this. Um, it was called crab boil, and it was everything was one bite. Like I had to like stretch out two bites out of each thing, right? Like it's like literally one bite and it's yeah. gone, and you're like. Fuck. I want more. I want more. Yeah, and that, but you can't have it, right? Yeah. So I had to purposely, like, you know, Save half a bite, bit. like half bite, so I could go back for a second yeah. and like think about it. Um, I learned that like three cor- three courses in, I was like, all right, I can't just do one bite here because then I I want to like explore it again, and I, there's no more. Yeah. So I was, so I did that purposefully, but the crab boil was like legit, like straight up. Think of like a, a, f- like a Maryland crab boil. But everything was like, I mean, it had. Who was the crab? King crab. King, in it. Uh, yeah. Go figure. Yeah, and it was like brunoise, right? So you like, like everything was like perfectly brunoise in the in the bowl, and then underneath this like, just little white foam, right? So you could just see like all the perfect garnishes like peeking through, right? But you can't really this, you can't see what's what. Yeah. And but like the but when you put the spoon in your mouth, it's just like straight up. You're like, holy shit, right? Like that's this should be on a piece of you know, like newspaper on a picnic table somewhere with like a bunch of cold beers, right? Like that's how I should be eating this. Yeah. So did you, I'm sorry, did you, when you left, were you like, that was delicious, but fuck. Yeah. Well, I'm mad. Well, so the, the, do you ever get mad after you eat a meal like that? I wasn't mad. I mean, I was a little, no, I wasn't mad. I was inspired. You know, I was totally inspired while I was there. Inspired. Yeah. With them too. Like, so the cool thing about catbird seat is that the, it's it's a tasting bar, right? So there's like a horseshoe yeah, bar cool. around, and all the guests sit around it, and, and then they're and the and little chefs square. are are inside, and so you, they're right in front of you. You can talk to them, and they encourage you to like commute, talk with them if you want. Um, and since I had interviewed Baxter the day before, like we you know we were kind of like bullshitting with each other a little bit. So like there was a couple dishes, like he was kind of walking by, like to serve another dish, and I was like, you know. I was like, really, chef? Like, yeah. You know, I was like, oh, night. you're showing off now. Like, what's going on? Yeah. But yeah, so so you could like talk to them and like ask questions. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what was like, what was going on with this? How did you, you know, stuff like that. So that was cool. Like that interaction was part of the, part of the experience. Yeah. Which I totally dug. But yeah, I mean, there was a few dishes where I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I don't have that. Yeah, you like, asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't have that. Yeah, I tried putting king crab on the menu. Um I did put it on the menu and I was super excited mm-hmm. and I was like, I can't fucking put King crab on the menu anymore. Yeah. Why? It's just so expensive. Yeah. So, and so I asked Baxter about that and it's probably true for you too. You can speak to this is like, you know, because I love the idea of the tasting format. I love being able to tell a story with my food, mm-hmm. communicate with people. To, like, you know, I love that. Um, you know, that works for me. That's what I do in a large format restaurant, right? Yeah. Except you can only, but the but there's only so much you can say with one or two dishes, right? Like they're getting such a small part of your cooking vocabulary, mm-hmm. right? Whereas in a tasting menu, you can tell the whole fucking story, right? Which I really would, like, I'm super interested in that um, and haven't really got to do it. You can go the, do it one night at Bordeaux. I will, I will I'll totally do that. Yeah. We should do a pop-up for sure. And I talked to Baxter about doing one of those at Capra. And I'm yeah, like, that'd fuck be, yeah. I'd like, I'd love to come and do like a night. That'd be super fun. Yeah. It would be super fun. Let's do it. But the precision of like knowing, knowing exactly what you're going to serve and how much of it you need. He's like, you know, that control 
of knowing that I know that I need on a Thursday night, I need six pounds of trout. Yeah. That's it. Because everything's one bite. Like, and, and, and then watching. And they're booked out for months, so they, they know. They know ahead of time. Seat count. They know exactly how many guests yeah. they're doing. Yeah, that, that control is. I was like, it, so that's how you make it work, right? Yep. It's like, you, there's like so little waste. Very un, There's very little unknown. Yeah. Besides maybe Unless you a couple guys, restrictions that come in that weren't on the, on the computer. Right. You know. So, and, and so I was like, wow, that's, you know, to me, that's fascinating, right? Cause it's not a world that I live in, in my restaurants where mm -hmm. it's like, shit's just fucking chaos all the time. And you have to manage that rather than managing the control and like having that. Yeah. How, how do you think you would fare in a large format restaurant like church and union? You've been in there. You've been in there a few times. You've seen it. You've seen it just like eating at the bar when it's like packed. Right. Yeah. And then you've come out for one of our one of our parties too, yeah. where it's like just people what? swinging from the rafters and like <laughs> just. I've like, been there yeah. swinging from one of the rafters. <laughs> How would I fare? And like, are you saying like as a, as a chef of one of those operations, rather than a controlled like, because both your restaurants are pretty I small. Love, yeah, but um, I mean, yeah. I've I've been there. Yeah. I was I was the executive hotel in in Chicago, and it was a large format, bigger bigger place, and then you know. Do, do you like it? I like the control element. I like, I like the control of a tasting menu. I feel like I've, I'm like when you were saying I like the control. It, in my mind, I was thinking back over my years as the chef at Five Church. I was like, I don't know that I was ever in control. Like yeah. I was trying to be. You blacked out. Like, for yeah, a day. I was yeah. like, I, I was trying to be in control, but I don't feel like I ever actually was. Yeah. No. <laughs> I probably was, but it didn't feel it, that way, right? It's nice. It's nice when the ticket comes in you know exactly you know what you're doing before the night starts mm -hmm. like we have this many people this is what we're doing mm -hmm. your prep has been done meticulously yep. it's all it's all plating prep's yeah. the hard part yeah service is the easy part yeah i mean vaughn is completely different i mean yeah 12 tickets come in half the menu can be on one ticket yep or it could be all stakes on or like, all stakes on the know. next ticket and it's just it, they're two different entities mm -hmm. and they're and I love both of them, don't get me wrong, but my background is the tasting menu. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that, you know, the tasting menu since 08, when I started at Chihuahua, or Moto actually, in 06. So um, that's just, that's the vibe I, yeah. I like. And, you know, don't I love Vaughn, it's my restaurant, but when it comes to... I had an idea. I think, I think that we should, you and I, should go to Bordeaux and have a tasting, a dinner, biked up. We should do with like little like lapel mics. Okay. And and have like a dinner and kind of like work through the menu or work through the tasting. Yeah. And kind of talk it out and see. I'm curious. I'm curious what your thoughts are being on the on the Oh, I'm me eating there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't do that often. I don't that might be tough though, because then I wouldn't want to air it. Why? Because, because like, and maybe you're different. I'm always hypercritical. Me as well. Like, like I'm always, but not like in a negative way, right? Like I don't, I don't go into a place and like pick it apart and say, oh, you know, this and that or like whatever, because I feel like that's kind of shitty. And yeah, everybody's but, you, different. but you'll know that hey, that's that's missing the acid that it needs. Yeah. The salt that it needs. Or like, or like, man, if this had had, you know, if this had had two more minutes, you know, or whatever, it would have been there. But I also think that might be a great thing. Because when was the last time as a chef you sat down and tasted every 
dish on your menu yeah, in its never, entirety. Never. Me, neither yeah. have I. And yeah. a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. It's, it's, we I mean, don't. I, we I, taste I, ingredients and we put them together. And yeah. in our head, it makes sense. And that's, yeah. that's what. And I audit my restaurants all the time. Right. But like there's seven of them. Yeah. You know, and like I can, and it's a large format restaurant. So like I go in and it's like, okay, well, how much can I actually eat? Yeah. I can't you know? FedEx you. Nashville, if you're in charge, they can't right. FedEx you the sauces or that. Oh, you get it. Right. No, I think that's a, that would be fun. Yeah. Sweet. And it would be interesting. And I'd be, uh, it would be interesting to listen back to it. Right. And just like, just enjoy the meal and talk to each other about mm-hmm. the food. Right. Like have that commentary. Cause I think people would, would find that interesting. Like two chefs kind of talking about the food yeah. at the restaurant, but then also for us to listen back to it. Right. As just like an insight is to like, a, how's the team doing? And is the menu doing the thing that you want it to do, right? Is there consistency in in that? Um, it could be an interesting little. Yeah, I think you might be onto something. I've never heard of anything like that. Chefs mic'd up eating their own restaurants. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> in their own place. Yeah, because I know, like, so we do audits by design, and everybody does them. So we do, our managers do them. We, the ownership group, do them. Um, whenever we're in, you know, whatever city we're in, that's where like tonight I'll probably do church and union. So they'll cook you the whole menu. No, no, no. We'll go in and we'll just order. We'll okay. Order things. And, but we're mindful about like, I don't just go in and order a ribeye. Like every Can I ask time. you a question? Yeah. How do you feel about that? How okay. do you like when, do you go in the kitchen and eat or do you sit down? I sit down. Okay. I, I audit service too. I See, audit the entire experience. I feel I, something about me feels so wrong sitting down in my restaurants when my Why? chefs are in the kitchen. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just feel like I should be back there. No, I don't feel that way anymore. Well, I, I <laughs> enlighten me because a lot of people tell me yeah. you need to not well, think so, like my business partner all the time is like, dude, like. Right. So, so when I go in, I, I do, I want the full experience, right? Like what is the experience that my guests are getting? And that's tough anyways, because everybody knows me, like all my staff knows who I am, right? It's like I can slide in and, um, but what I do try to do is I try to get different servers. Like I'll come in and be like, who's new? You know, oh, so-and-so just went through training. I want to be in their section. Yeah, I'm mean, like, sit me in their section. Yeah. Right. And that way when I sit down, they're like, oh, hey chef, how's it going? You know, and they usually are super fucking nervous. Like they start, yeah. they're like, oh fuck. Right. Like I've got the owner chef guy. You got a notebook. You're not even taking notes. No, you're just oh, I don't with take, them. <laughs> well, I don't take notes because I eat with Corey. So she's my executive. She's always like, okay, she's got all the notes and she can remember shit. I can't remember anything. So I just like talk about it and she like takes notes. Yeah. You have to do that with seven places. Yeah. So, so that's what I do. Right. And I'll audit that experience. Right. I'll usually have the bar make, make some drinks, mm-hmm. not alcohol drinks. Cause I don't drink, but like either mocktails or something like that. Um, just to see what they're doing, put them to the test a little bit, see how long it takes. Like, and I audit the entire operation. Right, like I'm like literally, I have my stopwatch from I'm when like, you walk in to when. Yeah, you how long does it take for me to get a drink order? Mm-hmm. And how long does it take for my first course to come down? And then, and then we're also specific about like what we order. Like we'll order different things all the time, so we're not like, you know, I don't want them to know. Oh, chefs here, he's going to get a ribeye medium like every time, right? And so they just they nailed that one thing, but they're the roasted chickens dog shit, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I always like I change it up every time. Yeah, you need to get a disguise though. <laughs> Um, Dude, I couldn't. <laughs> so when things are when you when you're going through this experience and you have misses, mm-hmm. when do you address them? Well, it depends on the level of severity. So there's always things that are not 
perfect. Have you right? ever done the audit and got a dish and was just like, hell no? Yes. Yeah. And gone, yeah, and gone up to the kitchen. And yeah. I've been like, okay. And Corey hates it when I do that because I hop up and I'm like, woof. Like, she's yeah, like, oh, he's gone. You have to. Yeah. And that's your name. But, right. And, and, and it's our brand. Like, and that's the yeah. thing is like, it's so much bigger than me now. Right. Like it was, it was my name when it was five church and you know, 2012. Yeah. Right. When we first opened, but now it's like, we've got multiple units. We have expectations. We have people, we have regulars that are counting on us. We have people in for, you know, special anniversaries and stuff like that, that are counting us to give them a great experience. Yeah. You're a little monopoly. Yeah. And, but, and it's important to make sure that we operate at the level that we set as our standard. Right. And that's the point for every operation, for every operation. Yep. And, and the food can be totally different, but it has to be excellent. And that's the goal, right? Is like, I, I don't, I don't taste something and be like, yo, this did, you know, sometimes I, sometimes I do, but rarely do I get a dish where I'm like, this doesn't work. This is not good. Like uh, uh, 86 that yeah. like uh, back to the drawing board. Uh-huh. I want a new dish tomorrow. Right. Let's just not serve that. Yeah, you're happy with it, but you find your little nuances that need to be. Yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I look for like I look for like cooking problems or like you know things are overcooked, undercooked, mm-hmm. too too much seasoning. Not like you know I re- I'm not there to nitpick their their composition so much, right? Because we in theory we've already done that. We've already discussed the menu. Hey, I want to put this new dish on. This is what I'm thinking. They make it. We run it as a feature. People like it. Okay, cool. Let's put it on the menu. Right. Like rarely do like chefs don't just come in and like, oh, we're doing empanadas today. And I'm like, "Uh, fuck, you are. Yeah. (laughs) Any any uh, (laughs) any like headbutting with the with the chefs? No, we have a really good. So how many chef de cuisines do you have now? So chef de cuisine. Well, I have one, two, three. So we have five executive chefs. We have an executive chef in each store. Okay. Let's see. I have a. CDC at LaBelle. I have a CDC. We don't have a CDC at Church and Union here right now. That spot's open. If anybody's listening, yeah, like, put it out there. <laughs> yeah, if you, hit us up. Send us a yeah, message. Yeah, Vaughn is open for lunch too, guys. Just <laughs> yeah. it out there. <laughs> Just letting you know. Yeah, <laughs> call me. Uh, so, but I have I have execs in each store, and and that's the difference is that where I came from, Danielle, he's got chef de cuisines, right? Danielle's the executive chef. Yeah. My operation, I have executive chefs in each store, um, and I'm the chef partner, right? Yeah. So I'm not the executive chef. It's not about me. Each store is about them and what they're doing um, within our framework. Yes. Right? And I, and I like that model. It's a good and model. I think it empowers them to have ownership and to um, – and then we also do, like, some profit-sharing stuff with our executive-level leadership that have been with us yeah. for a long time that are going to be with us for a long time to come. You know, we make them partners. Yeah. I want them to have stake in their in their restaurants. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's what what I'm trying to do now is, you know, and the, and the guys I have have been with me for a while, and what I'm trying to achieve is trying to keep them on board. How do I keep them on board? Mm-hmm. Because Vardo's just Vardo's. We got one Vardo. What's your strategy for that? Keeping them on board. Have you figured it out? Yet? Not yet. We're, yeah. we're we are. You know, it's because this is our second place. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, Vana is going to, our goal is to expand Vana and mm-hmm. open Vana here, open a Vana there. And Vana, I feel like can, we can reproduce. With it, that, it'll, it'll fit in with multiple that, markets. With that formula. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree with that. Um, and my chef de cuisine there that helped open that formula. I'm, I, I, we are working on it, but 
keeping him invested in the long-term project of, of what we're trying to achieve is again what we're trying to figure out and it's we're only on number two mm-hmm. we're opening number three and, and um, some things need to be sc- discussed because we have talented people and it's like how do we mm-hmm. keep them invested yep um, you gotta open more places give them more <laughs> make them feel like they are more than just a, a title yep they are the growth of what we're doing and and they're the reason why we are growing mm-hmm. so yeah we'll, we'll we'll get there pick your brain after about that but yeah I mean, the, the importance of this my team like the team that i have you know we all deal with drama yeah but at the end of the day these guys are every day yeah um, i mean you can't do it yourself, right? Like there's no you way you have to have a team that is committed, that's motivated, that's inspired to keep, you know, what you started going. Yeah. Right. And that's, I, that's why I like the structure that you have when you're mm-hmm. like, I have execs mm-hmm. because it, I bet you, if you had just a CDC there, you would feel obligated. Yep. And your brain would melt. Yes. A hundred percent. Uh, definitely, you know, because, that's, this because is your- we, that's kind of how it was in the early days. Like when we first started expanding, when we did, you know, operation two and three, I didn't have execs. I had CDCs. Then you felt like, and I had to be strong, right? Yeah. You, I was like, yeah, Fuck, dude, I went nuts. Like I burned out. Like that was probably about the time that I, I think I've burned out twice since we started our enterprise. Right. What did and a burnout look like to you? Just I mean, I was fucking off the rails, doing drugs, like fucking I couldn't I couldn't get my shit together. I was just medicating myself like crazy with alcohol and stuff, like just because I was stressed the, the fuck out. Yeah. And you know, I it, coming from New York, you know, I operated fairly well under those circumstances externally. But internally I was a fucking train wreck. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just hateful frustrated, angry, like none of the things that I got into cooking for were, were being fulfilled. Yeah. And so I was like getting very like off the rails. Yeah. Um, to the point where, you know, my business partner, Patrick actually one time was like, dude, I need you to like fuck off for three days. Like, Oh, I got that. I've gotten that from Jason. And I, and I needed a week, (laughs) but we didn't have a week. Yeah. You know, he's like, you got three days. I need you to go. I need you to go just like, just go away. Yeah. Don't talk to anybody. Turn your fucking phone off yeah. and do whatever it is you got to do to kind of get your shit together. Yeah. Um, and I did. I came back and, you know, that was fine. It was fine for a while. And I, until I actually like changed a lot of my behaviors um, and matured as a, as a chef and as a person, did I actually kind of get my arms around what we were doing and, mm-hmm. and what my role in that was. You know, and that's hard. That's hard shit to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but and and somewhere around that time is when it was like clear to me that like I can't be everywhere, and yeah. I don't want to be. Like I don't want to be the chef of all these restaurants. Yeah, you know, like that's not something I don't. My my ego is not that big. Yeah, you know, I want these things to be successful, and I want people to love them, and I want people to be happy when they come out, um, because that makes me happy. Like having people like sh- like you know write a nice article about me does nothing for me. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about any of that um i care about the guests and their experience and and how what we do uh, and the longevity of restaurant yeah yes the, the, the legacy of 100 percent. and so so that's when i started to piece that together after these kind of burnout things where i was like all right i need to empower these people to take the torch 
like not to help me carry it, but to take it. You know, and yeah. she, and then my job take it from me and help me grow, help yeah, us grow, help yes. us grow, and and I'm gonna grow by sharing my experience with you. Mm-hmm. And now what I'm dealing with a lot is like I get frustrated if people don't if they don't want to be excellent. I have a fucking issue. With yeah, I like I have a serious issue when you know we spend a lot of time, energy, and money um, showing someone the way. Right or or sharing experiences to help improve them, and they decide they just rather especially not. in this business. Yeah, why even step in a back door and not want to be excellent? And I don't know, and just go through the motions of working in a restaurant. It's I, not, yeah, it's not like glamorous work nothing, if you're not into it. Nothing at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nothing at all. Yeah. But to to piggyback on what you were saying, like the the you know you've known me for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was in that dark place, and my business partner was like, "You need to." take five days Mm -hmm. and my stubborn ass was like no I don't I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and thank to him that's one thing I learned is like when you need to take that time Mm -hmm. just you gotta take that time you're 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 causing nothing but pain if you're sticking around right one foot in one foot out is you know what he used to say when I was in those places of where I didn't know I was at in life Mm -hmm. it's like you just gotta step out so that's why I feel like I'm in a better place because. So are you out of those places now? Um, I I mean I mean who doesn't get in funks? Everybody does. Who doesn't get but in I, funks? But I you know. Prioritizing, your time, prioritizing, your obligations and duties. What's important. Mm-hmm. Now opposed to what's important, in a week opposed to yeah. you know not thinking about what was important four days ago. Because right. I used to dwell on the past a lot. And yeah. This shit's so, gone, dude. Yeah. It's gone, though. <laughs> yeah. So now I focus on the day and what needs to be executed, what we need to do, and mm-hmm. and fucking try to keep everybody happy. How's it along, going? Along with myself. It's going. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. going. Yeah. I just want to cook. I just want to have good restaurants, man. I, I just want them to be successful. And Yeah. You know, that's I think that's the end goal for all of us. I mean... I, in my, for, from my perspective, it's, it's my group will be as successful as we decide to be mm-hmm. if we keep empowering our teams and looking for the right people. You know, you got to have the standards and you have to do the checks and the audits and the, you got to make money, you got to be profitable, all that stuff. Um, but I think our mission is greater than that now. It's about kind of changing the way we do business. You know, the tip the kitchen thing, like trying to make a livable wage for all of our, our teams, like even the dishwashers, even the porters, like these guys have to Absolutely. have a livable wage, man. Like, you They're know, there and, all day. Yeah, yeah. It has to be livable. Yeah. They have, they have to be able to afford a car and, you know, yeah. childcare and shit. Like yeah. that's just part of the deal. And so, you know, that's our mission now is like, how do we strengthen? Because that will strengthen not only our operations, which are already like stronger than they've ever been because of a lot of these things, because our teams feel taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, okay, I know that if I come to work, I'm making good money. And my, my employers are not asking me to do things that they wouldn't do. They're asking me to work crazy hours and asking me to do all like this shit that we did. Right. That yeah. you and I did yeah. as young cooks kind of like, I would have done anything for Danielle. Yeah. Like anything. If he asked me to bury a body and fucking in Broadway, I would have done it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right? Because I'd be like, yes, chef. Yeah. The way I got you. The way our, sh- I mean, uh, chefs were gods back right. when we were growing up. But you know, one thing I'm seeing now, I know the longevity of good employees. Mm-hmm. They're sticking around a lot longer. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when, when we were, our feet were in the sand, you know, what was your motto? You did a year. Yeah. You did a year, you learned, you moved on. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I did unless I was put into a role of maybe more than that. I'm just, I'm seeing now like people that are, people are putting in their time Yeah. the ones that want to stay, you gotta, you gotta make them stay. Mm -hmm. But then you also got the kids that don't know what work is. No, there's a lot of that. And that is the toughest battle mm-hmm. since is it, post COVID. That is the toughest battle. Yeah, that is a really tough battle. And how do you mentor that kind? Like that kind of work ethic is something that somebody should already have yeah. before they get into the workforce. Exactly. Right. You know, I know that's something I tried to instill in Max, and you know, he works for us at Labelle now. I look at a lot of kids that come in that are younger than him, and they just like. They don't want, they don't, they're there for a paycheck, you know, and 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 then one one little hiccup and they're done. Yeah, they're done. But they also want to do the bare minimum to get that paycheck. Exactly. They're like, what can I get away with? Like, what is the least amount that's expected of me to be able to make it? Which I can't, I don't understand that. They they don't last long. Yeah. They get get called out real fast and and swallowed up by the beast. Yeah. You know, know, fighting people in Charlotte's tough. Yeah. It's a tough market. You know? Everywhere is a tough market. I think, I think having a place that's inspiring, you know, is important. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that is an objective thing. You know, like it's not the same for everybody. Like an inspiration isn't the same for everybody. You know, it's something that I think about a lot is like, how do we keep these things inspiring? How do we keep people empowered in a way where they're like having fun at work? They're playing with their food. They're motivated when they're here. Like that's a hard, that's a hard thing to figure out. I mean, they call it work for a reason. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's not easy, but it's gotta be inspiring. People have to get something more than just a paycheck out of it. 100%. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen, that's the name of the game. It's start. We've been talking for an hour. It's getting late. We both have a bunch of stuff to do stuff to get on big day tomorrow. Big day. You have a big day tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. I have a big day on Friday Friday. and Saturday and Sunday. I got a lot of pro- I got a whole pig I got to go break down. I got from Newtown Farm. I got to fry 600 chicken thighs. Nice. Fry them there. What are you doing? What's your dish? Um, Tell me about it. This will air after, so. Korean fried uh, chicken thigh. Okay. So brine, cornstarch, rice flour, mm-hmm. then like gochujan, soy mirin, like coated on the outside. Yep. Peanuts, pickles, cilantro, very simple. You can let that sit overnight. The brine? Yeah, no, like brine it today, fry it, let it sit overnight. No, and then... no, we're cooking it to order there. So we're going to cook a bunch of them. It's going to be like chicken wings, yeah, essentially. So our CDC in um, Nashville, did. Uh, we just had our one-year anniversary there last week. And he did a dish uh, for the anniversary menu, this Japanese fried chicken thing. And the way he did it, which I'd never done before, which I love having, this is why empowering people is so important because like they come up with these techniques and shit that they've been doing, but you're, I'm clueless too. Cause I'm, you know, yeah. not a young cook learning from other people, but he did this Japanese fried chicken where, um, he, uh, he basically, how do he do it? So they, he dredged the chicken, the whole chicken, like half chickens in either rice flour, cornstarch, mm-hmm. potato starch, something like that and then steamed them. They were already brined, so they were brined ahead of time, and then dried off, packed in cornstarch or whatever, and then steamed. With the cornstarch on it? Yeah. Interesting. And then he took it out and fully cooled it, like like on a sheet pan. 
And, and what happens? Friday. Yeah. And so what happens? And I I never thought of this, but when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's fucking brilliant, because it basically gelatinizes the starch, right? And then when you fully cool it, cool it, it like comes back together and solidifies on the chicken. Wow. And then they fry it to order it. Dude, it's the crunchiest shit. That makes sense. I was yeah, like, but I never, I would have never got there on my own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's but smart. but but I tried it and I was like, bro. <laughs> That chicken's stupid crunchy, yeah, man. Yeah, did I show the full chicken? Yeah. so good. Right? So now I got some new... Thank you, Daniel, for that. I'm yeah. going to go start working on some stuff. Yeah. But anyway, check out Vana for bar, uh, lunch, brunch. And Bardo. Late night menu. Bardo. Come is five course to ten course tasting menu. You're not doing lunch at Bardo, no? No. Yeah, that's just five crazy. course, take course. Our next menu is going to be full, so come check it out. When is that going to happen? Um, probably end of this month. We'll start... Laying in the end of September, so yeah, early October. Early October, we'll cool. start finalizing the menu. Awesome. Should we do a dinner before that and mic up? That would be fun. Yeah, stay tuned you want. for that, guys. Go check out Mike's uh, restaurants, and then yeah, you can Google them, right? Vana yeah, we're, we're on right? we're on Google. You can go on the Google <laughs> on the interwebs. Yeah, I think it's on um, Open Table or with the other one. Uh, I don't know. No, what's the old computer? I don't know the Mac. No, what's the know. old domain? Oh, the uh, AOL? Yeah. <laughs> Is that still it? around? Yeah, no. <laughs> We're on all the all the outlets, guys. All the things. All Thanks, right, cool. brother. I had fun, man. Thanks, brother. Yeah. You look good. You too. Stay well. Yeah. All right. You as well.